We are in Romans chapter 8. Uh, we're going to be verses 9 through 11. And the heading that we'll be under is the quickening power of the Spirit. Verses 9 through 11. The quickening power of the Spirit. Starting in verse 9, and let's just go ahead and read verses 9 through 11. Remember, the heading is the quickening power of the Spirit, and I'll just tell you right now, I'm just excited. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> just get that out of the way. I'm excited. Okay. <laughs> Romans chapter 8, verse 9. When you're there, say amen. Amen. Hmm. <laughs> man, you guys are good. Oh, man. Verse 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit... But if the spirit of him who raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he who raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit who dwells in you. Like I said, I am excited. <laughs> so let's just get at it. We're just going to cover 9 through 11. Um, we, it's a it's a, a heading in itself, so I, I feel like it's good progress. And then the next the next heading is actually a, a bit more verses, so it wouldn't really do us any good to get into it. So we're just going to shut down once we finish eleven to nine. So verse nine, then yeah. but you are not in the flesh. In one sense of the word, is asking the question. Since you are now a believer and no longer depending on the flesh, why are you resorting to the flesh? When we get saved, we place our faith in Christ and what he's done at Calvary. We have very limited knowledge. All we know is I'm a sinner. I need to be saved. And what Jesus did at the cross cleanses me from all sin. That's about as much as a sinner knows when he says yes to Jesus. A minister, the normal pattern is a minister preaches the gospel. The sinner is convicted by the moving and operation of the Holy Spirit. And then, as the minister presents the answer, which is Christ, and he begins to open up and show what Christ did at Calvary, that he died in your place. And you, we've all heard of salvation message. <laughs> then the sinner, prompted by the Holy Spirit, is given faith to believe what the minister has just presented. From faith to faith. Yeah. Anyway, from the beginning, <laughs> they believe. It's not even, the faith isn't even from themselves. Yeah. The Holy Spirit gives them a measure, opens their eyes and gives them the measure of faith that is needed for them to say, I believe that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, 
they're totally blind and dead in sin. None of this would be happening. But by the Spirit of God, they believe, they get saved, all they know is Christ died for me, took my place, died for me, and by His blood, all of my sins are washed away. That's about as much as they know. But yet, just that is enough for them to get saved. Yeah, that's true. Because of what they believed in. Yeah, yeah. We get in on the right path. Faith in Christ and what He did at Calvary. And then throughout the process, we get off to the right path. Faith in Christ and what He did. Faith in the person of Christ and His work. Hence, we're called believers. That's true. That's true. That's true. Because we believe something. We believe Christ is who He said He was. And He did what Scripture says He did. If you don't believe that, you are not a believer. That's the idea. Believers. It's kind of simple. It's so simple that we don't even really think about it most of the time. But we're called believers. Why? Why are they called believers? Because we believe something. (laughs) (laughs) They do do not call us doers. They call us believers. And you're only a believer if you believe the right thing. The person of Christ, the work of Christ, that makes you a believer. If you believe something else, you are not a believer. Only that, because that's the only way to get saved. Once again, kind of simple, but believer, the word believer. Who would have thought that it would be just so simple and obvious? So... When we become a believer, we believe in Christ and what He did at Calvary. And we're no longer depending on the flesh. See, we start off right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. True. It's through the rest of the walk that we, <laughs> we go all over the place. Uh, the next part. But in the Spirit. Which really, just, just just read them both together, Dan. I think that probably. Okay. But you are not yeah, the first part. You yeah. In that. Okay. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. When you first get saved, you're no longer in the flesh, but in the spirit. You now have the Holy Spirit to help you because you're believing the right thing. You're depending on the right thing. Your faith is in the right thing. And when that happens, you got the help of the Holy Spirit. Faith is in the wrong thing, you believe the wrong thing. What you don't have is the help of the Holy Spirit. You just kind of. It is the Holy Spirit who makes these great truths real to the heart of the believer. But he cannot make anything real which truth the believer does not know. Nor can he work on our behalf when we are attempting to do the things ourselves. Yeah. 
If you if you simply don't know the the what's been done at Calvary, just ignorant to it. You just don't know the word ignorant sounds it sounds like such a backhand, <laughs> but it's it's just not knowing. It's not. It's just not knowing. But it, the, the word just sounds so so strong. But <laughs> if you don't know, then the Holy Spirit can't make real to you anything that you don't know. That's true. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's one of the things that really has been totally misunderstood about the person of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit. It's very definitely in my generation, but. It's not this automatic thing. If you don't know, you don't even know you don't know. You don't know you don't know. <laughs> when I at, at my job, I, I I work on a lot of pieces of equipment in our shop. There are a bunch of different things. Some of the stuff I don't know. <laughs> if I walk up to that piece of machinery and I do not know how it operates. And I do not know something about the machine, and yet it's it's broken, and I have to fix it. Guess what I can't do? Why not? Because I don't know. I don't. So I need to find somebody that knows. That happens to me often. <laughs> Because I don't know. I can't, I can't help you here. I don't. I don't know. When we don't know. Oh, come on. Yeah, yeah. When we don't know the word of God correctly. Yes. Yeah, you're right. When we don't know what's really been done at Calvary. We don't realize it. But we, we handcuff the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. The Holy Spirit. That's God. He can do whatever He wants. He's still just, righteous, holy, and He will not transgress the covenant. That's true. Me and my dad talked about this yesterday. That word transgression. We've heard the word before, but to be honest, we misunderstand it most of the time. Because we just lump in transgression with sin. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, transgression, sin, debt, pretty much all the same. No, no, it's not. If you look at the word transgression, as it's used in Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, definitely Old Testament, most of the time, when you see the word transgression, it's always in reference to the covenant. Is the covenant between God? In Israel and God would say that they transgressed the covenant they went outside the boundaries of the covenant within the covenant that God set up it was like a fence and if Israel went outside of that covenant or the fence then they transgressed the covenant. The Holy Spirit won't be doing that. He's not going to transgress the covenant. We're under the new covenant. Yeah. 
He's not going to transgress that covenant. Yeah. And sometimes we just think, well, he's just going to do. The Holy Spirit is going to do what he needs to do. You got to know. He can't make real to you anything that you don't know. Once I learn how to work on that piece of equipment, once I know that piece of equipment, guess what I can do next time there's a problem? <laughs> let it be, Lord, let it be. <laughs> Sometimes we just, in, a sense, in one sense, we overthink it. And in another sense, we just don't put any thought in it whatsoever. We overthink it sometimes and make it more difficult than it is. And sometimes we just don't even think at all. And just don't even, like, oh no, God can do, you know, God's just going to do, the Holy Spirit can do whatever He wants. Yeah. Nowhere in Scripture, no, literally nowhere in Scripture, will you ever see God work outside of a covenant. Yeah. Anywhere. From Genesis to Revelation. Nowhere yes. did God ever work outside of a covenant. Mm -hmm. I had no idea until I learned that in Bible college through my covenants class. Brother Bob said, God's never worked outside of a covenant. And I was like... Mind blown. <laughs> and you know what? You do a little research, you check it out, you know, because I'm not just going to take, yes, he's my professor, yeah, but. Mona. Uh, oh, God. That's it. Mm -hmm. He's not God. It's like, mm -hmm. is it? Not God. I better check it out. I trust him. But at the end of the day, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have to stand before the throne of God, not. Brother Bob, <laughs> yeah. or anybody else, and the answer that won't be sufficient is, well, Brother Bob's. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's just not going to fly with God. <laughs> well, Brother Bob, well, Pastor said But that's, see, that's just the easy way out for us. But Pastor said, And praise God, I trust pastor. And we should. We should be able to do that. If you don't feel like you should trust your pastor, then you should. <laughs> Something's not right. <laughs> but just because you trust them doesn't mean you don't study to show yourself yeah. approved. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Make sure. I'll just, I'm going to tell you some things right now that might just shock you. <laughs> uh, pastor's a human being, and uh, he's gonna get it wrong sometimes. I just just let you know right now, he's just gonna get it wrong sometimes. He might, it's not not intentional either. Just yeah, don't worry, pastor. Let me just drop another bombshell on you. I'm gonna get it wrong sometimes. I'm gonna say something, and then later on, I'm gonna be like, what are you talking about? You know? Even if you feel like, man, that's right. 
Praise God. I hope that you do have that feeling. That the Holy Spirit says, yes, that's right. But then the next step is to go, I want to see it for myself. That's it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And go look for it. And then when you find it, you'll be that much. You'll be that. That's yes. it. Yes. So you'll be dead. Your faith will be strengthened more in it. Yeah. It'll be confirmation and a reassurance that that was right. That's it. Right. That's it. That's right. Uh, the next part. If so, <clears throat> sorry. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. In essence, it says, provided that, or assuming that, assuming that the Spirit of God dwells in you, that is an indication that you are not in the sphere of the evil nature. Right. Uh, if you look on your handout, the word dwell is there, uh, you have the Greek word, and it means to live or dwell in a certain place as your home. Hmm. It's important to read the whole definition. Yeah. And to really read it. Don't just, oh yeah, write it down. It says to live or dwell in a certain place, but it doesn't just stop there. It says, as your home. You know why one of the reasons that the Lord used the Greek language for the Bible? Because as far as the language goes, it was very pointed. Every word was very, I mean, it brought out things that the English language is garbage. Yeah. There are things we can say in the English language, and you got to read somebody's face, or you got to see the sentence and know the punctuality to know what they're talking about yeah. and what they actually mean. But in the Greek, that word for everything. That word for everything. <laughs> That's exactly right. We say love. Yeah. And they we can mean I love my cat, I love my dog, I love my cooking, I love my wife, I love God. It's all yeah. things. They got like five words for love. Yeah, they got so many words for love. They got so many words for love to really bring out what what am I actually trying to say? That's why it's also very important when you study, find out. We read the translation and it says love. But if you don't know the Greek word that was used, you might misinterpret what's being said. Well, I'm, this is not a class on studying the Bible or scriptures, so we'll just keep going. But to live or dwell in a certain place as your home. Now, remember, we're talking about the Holy Spirit in you. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwells in you. So now I'm just going to plug in the definition for the word dwell. If so be that the Spirit of God lives or dwells in you as it 
is home. You go on vacation, that ain't your home. <laughs> you there and you enjoy it, but you you, you just want to get back home sometimes. No matter how the truth is, no matter how nice the place is, you still just home is home. Yeah. Home. Where you're comfortable at home. The Spirit of God is at home in you, a believer. He should be comfortable. He, he's there to stay. He's not, he's not on vacation. He's not on if you if you travel for work, then you know you get you leave and go somewhere and you, you travel there for work, but the whole time you're there is business. He didn't do that either. He didn't leave heaven just to be on the inside of you on a business trip. <laughs> My goodness, that is good news, brother. Amen myself. At home. My goodness. We talk, we're not talking about a friend. We're talking about the Spirit of God. Living at home on the inside of you. Yes. Yeah. It's a good time to say yeah. It's a good Hold my mule, brother. My goodness. Hold my mule. He got run of the house. Yeah. In the Old Testament, the saints of God. People that were used to God, you could lie, you can lose, you can use anybody you want to. The Spirit of God came upon them, yeah. and, and they were used mightily because the Spirit of God came, came upon them. But you never, the, the term dwell in wasn't a part of the Old Testament yeah, language, it, yeah. it is a new covenant yeah. language. Yeah. We don't realize what we have yeah. oftentimes. You guys these wells with us and in us. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. It's never leaves. Yeah. It's amazing. God with us. Yes. Yes. The Holy Spirit. The fact, the fact that you can have a person of the Holy Spirit live on the inside of you as his home. That you are the home of the Holy Spirit now is a testimony and confirmation to the blood of Christ yes. that justification is not a lie. That's right. Because remember, right. he's the Holy yes. Spirit. Yes. Right. That's right. Which means he's holy. Yes. Yes. Right. And the one thing that we are is <laughs> holy. <laughs> we're messed up. That's just the truth. We're messed up. But yet, the Holy Spirit, who is holy, can live on the inside of me, a messed up human being. Why can he do that? Because justification is the real deal. Because in the eyes of God, it's as though you've never sinned a day in your life. Because when he looks at you, all he sees is Jesus. 
So the Holy Spirit can live on the inside of you because it's as though you are sinlessly perfect. Man, I wish somebody would just get this on the it just get this on the inside of you. If you if when you blow it and you really do fail. It's a good thing to know that he doesn't, the Spirit of God doesn't leave. He's at home in me and that the truth of justification by faith is the real deal. Because I'm going to blow it and it's really good to know. And that alone just makes me happy. Ooh, brother Sid, hold my mule. God, Lord, thank you, Lord Jesus. I preach myself happy. I'm just trying to get to verse 11. We're still in line. I told you I was excited because I knew what was coming. I know what's in verses 9 through 11. Man, I'm happy. I feel it. I feel it. I feel it. I feel it. We are the temple yes. of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. And just like in the temple, the glory of God was seen, felt. God's intention is for you to be the temple. Which means, guess what he wants to do? Fill you with His glory. Do you know what the glory of God is? His manifest presence. He wants to fill that temple, that temple, that temple, this temple with His manifest presence. And that's not just a one-time thing. I'm talking about daily. Oh, goodness that will preach every day I'll preach that for a year straight and still get excited every time my goodness man y'all just doing so good oh man y'all doing good do we really get it do, you, do we really get it I, I just really feel it I, I just tell you the truth. I just really feel it. And I feel like the Lord wants, wants to make sure you get it. Otherwise, I'm, we'll be done on the verse 10. I don't linger on points just because I want to linger. I'm, I'd love to get through the book of Romans by the end of the year. And my dad can, my dad can testify to that. Because I'm, I want to get into another book. Because we need to know more than just the book of Romans. There's a lot more to learn. So I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get somewhere. But it's not my timetable. It's not my choice. I'm really not the teacher. 
I looked at, I was looking up on my phone because I'm reminded of a song. I'm not going to sing the whole song, but you'll know the song. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. The comforter has come. The comforter has come. The Holy Ghost from heaven. The Father's promise given. Oh, spread the tidings round. Wherever man is found, the comforter has come. Oh, the comforter has come. The comforter has come. The Holy Ghost from heaven. The Father's promise given. Hope spread the tidings round. Wherever men found, the comforter has come. Oh, the comforter has come. The comforter has come. The Holy Ghost from heaven. The Father's promise given. Oh, spread the tidings round. Wherever men is found, the comforter has come. Not on vacation. Yes. Yes. At home. At home, at home, at home, to dwell at home, in you, in you, in you. Oh, the comforter has come, the comforter has come, the Holy Ghost from heaven, the Father's promise given, will spread the tidings round, wherever men is found, the comforter. In you, at home, in you, if you're a born again believer, yeah. praise God. Yes. The Holy Spirit is not only resident in the believer in the sense of position in him, but he is actively at home in him, living in him as his home. It further means that he is not there just to be there, but rather has a ministry to perform in the believer. Namely, to give the believer victory over sin and produce his own fruit. He gives the believer victory over sin by making real to him and energizing within him the great truth in fact, of what Christ did at Calvary and the resurrection for him. We need a revelation of what Christ has done at Calvary. But then, if you, and this is going to sound a little harsh, and it can be, it can step on your toes just like it steps on my toes because it takes me from wherever I think I am and shows me where I really am. Mm -hmm. 
We need a revelation of the cross. We need a revelation of what Christ has done and everything that that means. We need that. But then there becomes a point in time where you don't need a greater revelation. You need to believe it. Our problem is unbelief. Oh no, not me. Unbelief. We don't really believe like we think we believe. And the only time that it's revealed that... Uh, Tanner, you don't really believe like you think you believe. Because something's in your life that what you know about the cross is that it's already been defeated. Yeah. That you have victory over it. That you've died in Christ. You've been buried in Christ. And raised unto newness of life. But yet, the real problem isn't that you don't understand it. It's that you don't really believe. No, Lord, I believe. Just like the man... Very interesting that the thing that Jesus told the man, my dad actually talked about this on, on Wednesdays at Luke, in the book of Luke. The man's son is possessed or oppressed, possessed with broadly that that's actually what was happening there. And he went to the disciples. They couldn't cast it out because, you know, the truth is the disciples of Christ are Christ. See, the disciples aren't the right source. Mm -hmm. You got to get the right source. The pastor, the church is not the right source for your problem. Come on now. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Christ is. Yeah. We go to the wrong source and when it doesn't work, we think, yeah. well, this just doesn't work. No, you just went to the wrong source. Yeah. You got to get to the right source, which is Christ. Yeah. He finally gets to the right source, and then, it, you know, the disciples, they couldn't cast it out, and this and this, and all this, and basically the man had just seen nothing but failure, and then just nothing's happening right, and then there's just, I don't even know if this is even possible anymore. Doesn't that sound kind of familiar with sin in our life? I don't even know if this is even possible to get delivered from this. I've been fighting this so long. Maybe that's just me. And the thing that he says, Lord, if you can do anything. And then Jesus says, and he was he never just used words just to use them. He said, if you can, all things are possible to those who believe. And then the very next thing that the man says is, I believe, help my unbelief. And then obviously Jesus said that. But isn't it, we've never wondered, why did Jesus talk about belief at that moment? You got to think the man believed somewhat. He came all the way to look for Christ. That's true. But yet in the end, Christ actually points out that fact. See, once again, we just 
step on toes, my own toes. You can go to church and not believe in Christ. Yeah, that's true. You just think, well, church will be helpful for me. Not the right source. Wrong source. It's Christ alone. Wrong source. Because you can do all of that, but really never believe. I've experienced what you're talking about. Where the Lord has challenged me on that revelation. Lord, I just need more revelation. I just need to know more. I just need more revelation. You got the revelation you need. You just gotta believe me now. Yeah, that's right. You just gotta believe my word, you know. Yeah. Believe what I have said. That hurts. It does. I would like to think I do. I find out I don't believe. And, and that I need help. Even in that. Help me, Lord. And I did realize my deficiency admit it and, and ask for help. He helps. Yeah. He helps. And, 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 but he's got to get, he's got to get us there. Yeah. And it's a process. And uh, we don't have to go beating ourselves up over the head and we find out that we've got a deficiency. God always knew we had a deficiency. Yeah, yeah. We're not surprised by it. We're the ones that are surprised yeah. by it when he, when he reveals it to us. Yeah. <laughs> but he wasn't surprised by that. He still loves us and he still cares for us. He still dwells with us. Yeah. So I've had, I've had, and I, I, this is, this is what occurred in my life and I told no one and then a couple of my buddies in Bible college actually told me the same thing, even though they never knew my own experience with it. But they said the exact same thing, word for word. Two different brothers in the faith told me the same thing that happened in my own life because it happened in theirs. Struggling with something, right? And you, you don't want it in your life. You're crying out to the Lord, crying out to God. Oh, I need help. Yeah. And the Lord said, I've already provided everything. Yeah. I, I've already done it. You don't need anything else. I've already provided what you need. Two, two other brothers in the family have no idea that I even had that moment with the Lord. They said the exact same thing that the man, this was happening to me, and the Lord told me this. He said, What what is that? Like he said, just like that. You know, that's what the Lord, I remember what the Lord said. Wow. He says, I am enough. Yeah. He's already done it. Yes. The cross, the cross is enough. I've already done it. You don't need anything else. Well, we think we need something else. We think we need some break. Yeah. Well, praise God. But the Lord just, Lord, I need. And you can plug in whatever you want. You plug it in. I need, you know the cries that you've cried in your prayer closet? I need this. I need that. I need, I need. I need, and the, his answer is, I've already provided. You have everything that you need. Lord, I don't want this sin in my life. I know it's wrong. I, I don't have victory over it. Lord, I need 
I've already done it. Just believe me. Believe me. Believe. Our problem when we realize is unbelief. Like I said, well, I'm that right there. You just knocked me down. <laughs> you ain't getting nothing else, Bubba. I already done it. <laughs> like, man, man, I'm not that mature in the faith. <laughs> it's really easy if I just preach hard to myself. Because I can preach hard to me. And then. I happen to know that 98% of the time it's going to apply to you too. Because yeah. we're all in the same boat. Yeah. Well, yeah. when we give it to Him, when we give Him whatever is bothering us, when we give it to Him, He expects us to give it to Him and leave it. Yeah. Let Him do it. Yeah. But we always try to help Him. And when you do that, yeah. He gives it back to us. Yeah. He reminds us how So when you get to the and you can look back and, and look at it. You realize he was there all the time. Yeah. Telling you I was here. Yeah. Just yeah. waiting on you to be tired. <laughs> like the person drowning. Not he's saying that. He does it so much better than me. Oh, yeah. He doesn't need my help. That's for sure. I just get in the way. It's slowing down. It's going to slow down and think. You give it to him to let him have it. Right. This together with the presence of the divine nature in the believer and the fact that God has broken the power of the evil nature puts the believer out of the sphere of the evil nature and within the sphere of the Holy Spirit. Exactly. However, big however, very important <laughs> word, however. However, comma. These things that I just told you are the ideal meaning what is supposed to be. Too often the believer does not know the full truth of what Christ has done for him at Calvary, giving the Holy Spirit little to work on and work with. As well, most believers do not yield to the Holy Spirit too very well either, taking control out of his hands. So the truth is, in most believers, the Holy Spirit can only do and be to a limited degree in comparison to what really can be done. Most of us live so far beneath what we can truly be in Christ. We tie the hands of the Holy Spirit, grieving Him, wounding Him, actually allowing Him very little latitude within our lives. That's the reason that the work of the Holy Spirit is not automatic and only potential. The next part. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. It is not possible for a person to be truly saved without the Holy Spirit dwelling in them. It is the Holy Spirit who makes real to the believer all that Christ has done for the believer. When you place your faith in Jesus and what he did through the cross, you are in the Spirit and not in the flesh. The way to be in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, is to trust and depend in Christ and what he has done by and through the cross for everything. Now, I'm pretty sure that I've already talked about this in a, a previous portion of Romans 
Uh, but I'm going to say it again just because repetition is our best teacher mm -hmm. and uh, just to reinforce it. We, what is said here, does not refer to the baptism with the Holy Spirit. It is referring to salvation, regeneration, and the Spirit moving in on the inside of us, the divine nature. That happens before the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes the baptism of the Holy Spirit happens immediately after. Sometimes it doesn't. But someone can be saved, born again, have the divine nature on the inside, which is the Holy Spirit, and not have the baptism mm -hmm. of the Holy Spirit, and they are just as saved yeah. 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 as someone that doesn't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I can prove it to you in Scripture, mm -hmm. because if I can't prove it to you in Scripture, then I don't have much to... Yeah. I don't have a doctrine, do I? Mm -hmm. I just have my own... Word. Word. Mm -hmm. In the book of Acts... If you notice, in the book of Acts, I can't even tell you where it's at, to be honest, but the verse sticks out from my brain like a bright light. I just don't know where it's at. My dad might be able to tell you. In the book of Acts, Paul goes somewhere that he did not preach the gospel. Paul shows up, and the words that Paul uses is that he found, and one of the things we talk about the Greek, the words are right. He found brethren. The word brethren means they got to be saved. Because he's not talking about Jews. Because remember, he was the apostle to the Gentiles. And the place that he was was Gentiles. So when he said brethren, he can't be talking about Jews. So the fact that he used the word brethren means he's got to be talking about believers. He said that he spent time with them, but he called them brethren first. He spent time with them. And doesn't say that he preached the gospel. So, he called them brethren. And then, he, it's, scripture says that he noticed that something was missing. See, the baptism with the Holy Spirit is a scriptural doctrine. Which means if you don't have it, uh, according to scripture, it would be obvious that something's missing. What? <laughs> I thought that was just a Pentecostal belief. No, that's a Bible thing. Yeah. It's a Bible doctrine. Yes. And if you pay attention to what Paul says there, it was so obvious that they didn't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit that he could tell. Only had the baptism of John. Right. Yes. yes. And he asked them yes. if they were, and they said, we never even heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> he said, what baptism did they say, John? That but he called them brethren, so they're obviously saved. Yeah. Yes. But yet, they didn't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They were saved, but it was so obvious that something was missing. You can't tell me that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not a Bible doctrine. 
And you, the best you can do is say that it's not for today. But at the end of everything, if that's what you want to believe, then you will answer to God for that. As for me, I'll, I'll choose the way of the scriptures. Because it's so important that Paul noticed that it wasn't there and said, you need it. It's so important that earlier in the book of Acts, when it said that certain men got saved, that the very first thing that the apostles did was they sent disciples there to where those men were that had just accepted Christ so that they might receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The very first thing that they did was send apostles Brethren, to preach the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it's what, if you want to believe, it's not important. Alright, that's enough of that. <laughs> Verse 10. <laughs> and if Christ be in you, refers to a born again person who has accepted Jesus as their personal Savior. Consequently, the divine nature, which is the nature of God, is instantly deposited in the believer. The Holy Spirit has taken up residence within the child of God. The next part. The body is dead because of sin. Speaks of the human body. Paul says it this way. In order that the believer know and understand that he must not try to gain victory over sin by means of his own physical body, i.e. self-will, self-efforts, one's own strength, etc. The believer's human body is dead in the sense that it has death in it because of sin, which speaks of Adam's sin, which brought both spiritual and physical death to each member of the race. Because of the fall in the garden, your body is dead. It's useless. When it comes to spiritual things, your physical body is useless. Yeah, that's true. Therefore, you won't be getting any spiritual things accomplished with a dead body. Yes. Yeah. Right. Forgive me for this example. But I want you to see it, so. If someone works for a company for 15 years and they die, they're useless to the company. They won't be doing any work because they're dead. Your body, as far as spiritual things go, is useless. Dead. But yet, so often, we try to bring about spiritual results with a weak, dead yeah, come on. body. <laughs> and everything that goes along with that weak, dead body is your self-will, self-efforts, self-motivation. Yeah. I'm going to just will myself right through this. Right through, you won't. No, you won't. Useless. So often, we deceive ourselves, and most of the time we don't even know we're doing it. We're trying to bring about spiritual results through our physical body. I'm struggling with sin. 
Well, I'm just going to pray, and then that'll work. No, 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 no. I'm going to fast, and that, no, no. You can't bring about victory that way. Give it to the Spirit. That's not, that's just you. It's just you. It's just you. And most of the time, when we see that all of these things don't work, the best thing that we know to do is just run. <laughs> just, just if I can you know what I, 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 I can't I just keep giving in so the best thing is to just remove that thing the problem is you can't remove everything no, yeah. well my dad talked about the world worldliness I, blow your mind right here worldliness is not necessarily doing or not doing certain things worldliness is a thought process yes yeah, most of the things if, that you do, if you have a worldly thought process, they come from the thought process, not the doing. We just see the doing of that. It's so worldly. Because that's what we think is worldly. Well, they, I can't, they go to movies. How worldly are they? <laughs> yeah. But that's what, that's what you say. That's yeah. what you see. Yeah. Worldliness is more of a thought process, a mindset, something that you believe. I'll give you one just real quick right off the top of my head that believers, people that are believers, filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And this will just strike right to the heart of Pentecostals. If I just had a great job and money. And if a good job comes across my path, then that's obviously God. Because really, if we just dress it up, but we're worldly. Yeah. Money, good job. And all the while, deep within our heart is the pride of life. Who I am, the position I hold, what people think about me. Money will fix my problem. Oh, pillar of the community. Yeah, I, yeah. And as ministers, some ministers, just encourage it. Because really, because if you got a good job, guess what you'll be doing more of? You're going to be uh, giving more off. You'll be tired of the Praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. <laughs> tell you right now, what it doesn't mean is just because you have a good job and you have money, it doesn't mean that you're working. Right. Because you can have a good job and have money and give to the Lord and the whole time your thought process ain't nothing to do with that. Right. You're just walking in the spirit. You're just chasing after Jesus and that was his will for your life. If it was there or gone, it wouldn't affect you. Yeah. But those are the people that God doesn't mind giving it to because they're not going to get Because their faith isn't in yeah. the job. It isn't in the money. It isn't in the position. It isn't in what, what other people think of them. So it's easy to bless them. <laughs> See? Worldliness. You can't always tell just from the outside. Yeah. One of my, I'll just tell you right now. One of mine. Well, life would be, my life would be so much better if I was married. Worldliness. Yeah. That's what that is. Worldliness. Yeah. 
What if you didn't get the right one? Worldliness. 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 If I'm not just... If I'm not head over heels for someone, then I'm obviously not in love. <laughs> Worldliness. Yes. Thought, well, that's a wrong thought process. Can yeah. you find that in here? No. Yeah. Because Christ, it, what you will find is Christ is your all, all and all. That's what it's meant. But the world presents that your spouse Fulfilled. Needs to be your all in all. And if they are, you're not really in love. But lonely. Yeah, sure. It's a lie. Yeah. And then when you get married, you'll be so disappointed. Yeah. I didn't know. I just drank the truth. I didn't even know that all of that was in my brain. Yeah. Until the Lord showed me, and I was like, what the heck? I'm worldly. <laughs> <laughs> worldly thought process. Worldly mindsets. That's Real worldliness. Yeah. God wants you to have victory over the world, which means none of those thought processes. Because the what you can't do is run from the world, yeah. or yourself, or yourself. Yeah. You can't run. That's our answer for everything. Run. Yeah. That's why if you think TV promotes worldliness, then you just get rid of the TV. Yeah. But you can get rid of the TV and still have all the same thought processes. And the truth is, if you think getting rid of the TV is the answer for worldliness, you're, you're on the wall. You're on the wall, which I'll just tell based off of what I know about Scripture, the next thing that's going to happen is the sin nature is going to revive, and you may not have a television in your house, but you'll be more worldly than you ever were. That is true. But praise God. <laughs> we're not worldly if we don't have a TV. Praise God. Due to this, an effort of oneself which involves the human body, such as willpower, personal effort, strength, etc., will not bring about the desired results and actually can only hinder what the Spirit of God can do. I'm not really sure why I'm thinking about this, but I, I'll be honest, I've never even thought about it before in my life. I talked about running. David was meant to be king. David was of the spirit. And Saul was of, of the flesh. And most of David's life he was running. Yeah. That was never God's answer. That was just David running. He was running a long time. How long do we run? How long do we run from things because we don't go God's way? So we just run from the flesh, from temptation, from... We just run. Yeah. Our answer for a lot of things is just run. But that's not deliverance. You are. David kept running, but he was never delivered from Saul. He was just running. God, that was not God's plan. The body that you now live in is incapable of yielding spiritual obedience. We cannot count <laughs> on ourselves what we do or who we are. Uh, the next part. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Paul is speaking of the Holy Spirit. This is the same Spirit that moved upon the face of the waters in Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. 
and brought it back to a habitable, habitable state. The same spirit that rose Christ from the dead. One is not to think that his situation is so bad that the Holy Spirit is insufficient. He has life and is actually the source of life. Man has no spiritual life within himself due to his spiritual death. Even the life which the believer has is that which is imparted by the Holy Spirit. All life is in the Spirit and all life emanates from the Spirit. The righteousness addressed here is the righteousness of God which is given to any sinner upon faith in Christ and given instantly. Within himself, man has no righteousness. Despite the fact that he attempts to manufacture such, which the Bible calls self-righteousness. And you can see that in Luke chapter 18, verse 9 through 24, which is the prayer of the Pharisee and the public. God's righteousness is defined as moral perfection. If you claim righteousness or certain aspects of righteousness or just the fact that you are better than somebody else because of something that you do or don't do, you're self-righteous. Get that out of the way. God's righteousness is defined as moral perfection. That's why true righteousness isn't not doing something and doing something because unless you're perfect, you know, you, you, you ain't got it. It is the standard set by God and not man. Also very important. Not man. God's standard that's set. It is the only righteousness he recognizes it and as such is instantly angry at man's efforts at self-righteousness, which God calls wicked. You can see that in Psalm chapter 7 verse 11 or Romans chapter 1 verse 18. God calls self-righteousness wicked and he hates it. If you think you're better, more saved, We can just, the list can go on and on and on. Because of something that you do or don't do, you're self-righteous. And you'll notice everybody else under the sun that doesn't do what you do. That's true. Or they do something that you don't do. Yeah. And you think, well, my God, not even say it. My goodness, can't believe they would do that. And we just dress it all up with some scripture and we just wrap it all up in a nice package and present it. That way it doesn't look so self-righteous. Yeah. We just make it look good. Well, not praise God. That's just what the Lord, you know. That's just what the Lord dealt with me about. And the Lord does do that. I'm not saying the Lord doesn't do that. But a lot of times that's just our excuse. We just dress it up in that. Yeah. But the Lord dealt with me about that. That's why I don't. The Lord dealt with you about applying the law to your life. No, that's not the Lord. That's just you. That's the flesh. The Lord wouldn't lead you to that because if you know the scripture, then you know that law leads. If you go into law, that's not of the spirit, that's of the flesh. And the next thing that's going to happen is the sin nature is going to dominate and reign in your life. But just because you don't see anything obviously wrong, we think, well, the sin nature is not dominating. Dude, self-righteousness is a part of that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Pride is a part of that. But we stand our ground because I do or don't do certain things. 
And, and it gets even worse when we just cloak it a whole lot more and we just tie faith onto it. We're really good at deceiving our own selves. Well, I just believe God. And we think we're better because we believe God better than some people are. So we think we believe God better. Well, that's not all that you just believe. That's, yeah. It's all about you and what you do or don't do. And you think you're better because you believe God. If we all had great faith like you. <laughs> <laughs> so if we just had that kind of faith but like our sister said faith in the the smallest seed that there is Jesus said that's all you need because it's not about how great your faith is it's what your faith is in it's the object of your faith Faith is only good as what it's placed in. So if your faith is in yourself, your own ability to believe God, your faith is not in Christ and the cross. It's in you, Peter. <laughs> what did Peter say? Uh, all of these. Yeah. But I, I, not me, Lord. I won't leave you. Peter's faith was in himself. And mo a lot of times, same for us. Yeah, it's just in me. Well, I just believe God in this area. And actually, that's just a law that you applied and you just cloak it in faith and all this mm -hmm. stuff. And then if somebody else doesn't do that, then you might not say that they're wrong, but really in your heart, you think, well, they're not that. I'm glad I don't do that. When really, you should just be glad that it's not about what you do or don't do. Yeah, that's that right. is by faith. That's right. So verse 11. But if the spirit of him who raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in believers. Hallelujah. And is available for our use. There is no... There is no temptation of sin so black, so binding, or destructive, but that the Spirit of God can handle it. That is, if we know the truth respecting the finished work of Calvary. That is a good time to say amen. Yes. <laughs> That's the same power that is dwelling in the believer. And we are assured that he will use whatever part of it is necessary in order that we might have the victory for which we seek. Yeah. The same power that God used to raise Christ up from the dead is available on the inside of you. And he is willing to use every part that he has to to give you victory. And it's obviously really powerful because it raised a dead man. Yes. That's it. The next part will be done. He who raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit who dwells in you. Many claim that Paul is speaking exclusively of the coming resurrection. Uh, and this is where context is so important. Context, context, yes. context, context, context. What has Paul been talking about all throughout Romans chapter 8? 
Sanctification. Yeah. Not glorification. Sanctification. The working of the Holy Spirit when it comes to victory over sin and sanctification. Yeah. So, he, therefore, this passage cannot refer to what? Glorification. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's not, that's out of context. Mm -hmm. yeah. By the use of the word mortal, in the context of Romans 8, he is speaking of our present experience in Christ. When we have a glorified body, what we won't have is a mortal body. But yet, the word that was chosen by the Holy Spirit was mortal bodies. Be sure quicken your mortal bodies. Not, not glorification. We're not talking about that. We're talking about sanctification. The help that you need right now is sanctification. Context, context, context. If you do not know the context, you will misinterpret passage of scripture like that. The Holy Spirit will impart whatever power is needed to our present physical bodies in order that we may have victory in any and every capacity of life. The word quicken, uh, you see it on your hand down? It means to cause to live, make alive, give life. He will infuse spiritual life into these physical bodies, which always takes precedent over the death that is already there due to the fall. Brother Larson said this, and it's just really good. He actually heard it from another man that ministered at the ministry a long time. And remember, we're applying this to sin. Victory over the power of sin in your heart and in your life. We're going to keep it in that context. Sanctification. There are things in us that shouldn't be there. We want victory over them. The Lord wants us to have victory over them. He's not trying to withhold it from us. There are things in my life that I do not want there. And I see them. And I know they're wrong. I do not need. I don't need the law to say they're wrong. I know they are. And I don't want them there. And this is so encouraging to me. Because it means. That the same spirit that raised Christ up from the dead. Will spare nothing. To quicken. My mortal body Amen. that I might have victory over every single thing in my life. Every single thing. One of the things that that, man, that minister said, the ministry was going through a tough time, and that minister said, Whatever that you are facing is not greater than dead and buried. No. <laughs> but he's already defeated dead and buried. Yes. Whatever sin, whatever bondage, whatever temptation in your heart and in your life right now you know who cares? 
for you and me today is that that bondage is not greater than His grace. That temptation is not stronger. Whatever you face is not greater than dead and buried. And He's already defeated dead and buried. There are things in my life that I can't defeat. And I'm grieved. So I get encouraged when I read that. No matter how strong I think it is, it's not greater than dead and buried in the Spirit of God that lives on the inside of me. Has already defeated yeah. dead and buried. Hallelujah. I'm just preaching to myself right now. <laughs> Tanner, what you are facing, the struggle, the bondage, the situation, the circumstance is not greater than my grace. And I've already provided what you have need of. Tanner, my grace is sufficient enough for you. I've already defeated dead and buried. And that spirit is on the inside of you. Tanner. You know what you face. You know what no one else knows. You know it was there. You know the depths of darkness in your own heart. You know. No one else knows. And no one else needs to know. But you know. You know. You know what you don't have victory over yet. You know what the Lord's trying to take out. You know. You know the struggles. You know the weaknesses. You know the thoughts. It's going to get real. You know. And you can hide them all you want. And we're really good at it. Because as believers, that's what we're best at. Because if you knew the depths of sin, in my heart, you wouldn't talk to me. I'll just tell you the truth. My wife would never marry me if she knew the darkness in my own heart, the depths of sin. She wouldn't marry me. I'll tell you right now. She doesn't even know. But I'm not an idiot. <laughs> she wouldn't have married me. Scripture says that the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? God knows it. He knows the depth of sin in your heart. And the truth is, you know what He's shown to you. You don't know everything. You just know the one thing that He shows at a time. Good thing he does that. Yeah. <laughs> he showed it all at once. I quit. <laughs> you know 
know, I want you to get this. You know. Tanner, how do you know? It's like you read my mail. How do you know? Because I'm in the same boat. Because I've seen things in my heart that I, I wish it wasn't even there. And I'm ashamed of them. Yeah. So dark. That I don't even know how God could love me. Because it's it's I'm that sinful. Yeah, yeah but you're saying, yeah, but I, it's there. But so is his grace. Yes. And he's already defeated, dead, and buried. And whatever the bondage is not stronger than death is buried. That's right. That's right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to 